passion. Let's tune into Brad and Brit. All right, big boy, another day closer to 24 hours from Tulsa. Come on, <laughs> come on. But it's, it, I, I think, I think sentiment is swinging towards my, my side that this is never going to happen, but it still might. But se- the, the, the pressure is building. You can feel it. You can just every doctor in the country, including Fauci said, you wouldn't catch me dead at, at a thing like that. Actually, you might catch him dead yeah, that's at a right. thing like that a few weeks later, right? It's, uh, it, but it's still on the tracks. You know, the train is still on the tracks. Well, well, cause we're still in the, you know, no one's going to tell Donald Trump what to do phase. Right. Which is, you know, uh, a pretty solid way to think of things until it isn't that way. Until you find Donald Trump trying to find cover behind some uh, phony baloney police reform executive order, right? Mm-hmm. Because even that, when you think about it, that's way past what you would have normally thought Donald Trump would ever do. And, of course, he just lied six ways from Sunday while he was signing it. And he lied about Obama couldn't get this done. Obama tried. They're even with him. All that shit. But uh, – with the rally, I think you can play this right up to the last moment before he would decide to, to to pull the plug and try to make it as if he's doing the greatest thing ever and deserves the Nobel Prize. I'm I'm sticking. I'm staying with it. I'm willing to be wrong, which is not a big deal in this case because if I'm wrong, then he's just the asshole that we know him to be. Not a big deal, right? <laughs> Nothing changes. A group of Tulsa residents, businesses, and nonprofits tried to force event organizers to enforce social distancing protocols for this weekend's upcoming campaign rally for President Donald Trump. In a lawsuit, they said the rally, which is to take place at an indoor arena, could act as a super spreader event for the coronavirus. But a Tulsa judge rejected their effort on Tuesday, according to Public Radio Tulsa. The lawsuit said the event, as it is currently planned, will endanger not only the health of the guests in attendance, but the entire Tulsa community and any community in which guests may afterward travel. So a a good-thinking, right-thinking, red-blooded American judge has (laughs) struck this down, and the people will be breathing on top of each other come Saturday, Brad. Uh, Okay. Well, that's fine. Uh, By the way, I understand that uh, everyone in attendance will go home with a, a souvenir-sized bottle of Aunt Jemima well, original pancake syrup. Yeah. yeah. The Brad Kranz post on his Facebook page, for those of you that do not follow, says Aunt Jemima, the official pancakes of Confederate general named military bases, and the Washington Redskins. So yeah. this has become another touchstone in the cultural war as they've decided, enough, we're not going to call it Aunt Jemima syrup and have a black woman on our on our container anymore. We've decided to go in another direction. Now, remember, this is more than 30 years after they decided, hey, all we have to do is give her a perm and update her, and it won't be so racist. <laughs> right. And in uh, uh, 2007, uh, the company that makes Uncle Ben's converted rice, yeah. the front of the box is a uh, an older black guy serving the the rice, mm-hmm. and it was thought that that was a, a racist image. Although when you read the history of that product, it's not that at, at all. The guy who invented that, because actually it's a, a fairly unique product in the history of rice when mm-hmm. they did come up with it, and uh, 
I don't think he had any uh, real racist intentions, but the, the the problem is when you have black people serving. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. But it, it, apparently in 2007, uh, Uncle Ben was promoted to chairman of the board of the Uncle Ben's Rice Company. That's what they did in a commercial. They tried to, to laugh this off and say, well, but wait, we've made him the chairman of the board. But they stuck with the name. Yeah. I would think that Uncle Ben's is going to have to go next. No one, of course, ever bought into that. It was kind of a joke. But, you know, we've we've heard the, uh, the Aunt Jemima pancake thing forever, forever. Right. right. And... Um, I wouldn't call this a culture war kind of thing. I would call this, you know, Billy, it's about time you cleaned up your room. And finally, Billy is cleaning up his room. This is That's just correct. another example. You've had that dead rat under there for a while. Let's go ahead and get that dead rat out from under the rug and go ahead. And I, and just, yeah, yeah I, I, I think, you know, that's just a, a, a smart corporate move to to do that at this point. That being said... I think the Washington Redskins story is going to be the fun one here because we all know what a prick and a you're not going to tell me what to do asshole Daniel Snyder, the owner of the Redskins. He's owned them for 20 years. I didn't realize it's been 20 years of this guy. The 20 best years of that franchise's yeah. history. <laughs> right. How many playoff games have they played in 20 years? I think it's probably about seven, and I think they've won maybe four. I'll bet you you're high. I may be a little high. I'll just say this. Yeah. The, uh, the the Raiders have actually made it to a Super Bowl yeah. in the past 20 right. years. The Redskins right. have not. Right. So so he's a miserable owner, just terrible. He's hired a good coach, but that's not going to matter, uh, Ron Rivera. Mm-hmm. He's the broken clock who's right twice a day. Even Snyder does something intelligent every once in a while. But the name, if it was bad, 20 years ago, if it was bad five years ago, if it was bad three years ago when this uh, came up. And it was a big story over. Now it's reached critical mass, and they cannot stay with that name. And the only thing that he used to stand on to say we're going to keep the name Redskins is, we've got a poll of the Seminole Indians in Florida, and 65% of them say they have no problem with this. That's not how it works. It isn't a if a majority of the oppressed person <laughs> that's the object of, of whatever you're doing, if the majority of people in that category um, say that they, they don't care about it, that's not the point. That's not how it works. You just don't get to do it that way. And he can't stand on that anymore. And by the way, I'm just guessing that if you polled all the uh, – People who were polled five years ago, the, the results might be a little bit different. But I don't want to do this by poll. This is not about polling. Well, it is interesting to note, I think it was five years ago today that that idiot Dylan Roof went into the uh, church in Charleston, South Carolina and murdered those mm-hmm. folks. And that was the actual impetus for taking the Confederate flag down from the grounds of the state capitol in Columbia, South Carolina. Yeah. Unfortunately, it took a, a bunch of people getting murdered by a complete uh, white supremacist in order to I, get it done. I, I, I have a real problem here. Why didn't Trump uh, have his rally today then? Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's busy. He's uh, good there. Yeah. Dan Snyder, uh, though, trying to get on the right side of history. Redskins join NFL teams making Juneteenth the paid company holiday. So that's going to be Friday. Oh, fuck off. And by the way, this bullshit, this bullshit coming from Roger Goodell, a team 
not someone, not naming, not getting to, but a team should hire Colin Kaepernick to be their quarterback. You, you want to talk about, you are so late to the party, buddy. You were so wrong for so long that this means nothing. And when we talked about this a few weeks ago, Britt, I said, if I were Colin Kaepernick, I would never, never play NFL football anymore because there's no upside for him. He's not going to, he's not going to lead a team to a Super Bowl. He, he, he is not that good of a quarterback. He wasn't really that good the last couple years. Uh, after they were in that Super Bowl, right? He had a couple bad years, That's and right. now he's he's pushing 34. Which, you know, unless you're Tom Brady, um, at, at, at 34, you're you're starting to fade. Unless you're mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers, you know. So he's also avoided three years of contact. You know, right, very large right. men landing on him and such. So there's there's no upside. Uh, and if he fails as a as a quarterback, as an athlete again, then that diminishes his standing as uh, someone who can really be an important spokesman uh, going forward. And but also, don't you think, but do you think having the platform of having the millions of eyeballs on him every week, don't you think that that might be helpful to the actual movement? No, I don't. It doesn't mean anything. It's not why Pete, it's not why well, then people, you, then, I, 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 don't, I think that the, the act of playing football is not a political act in any No, but you do draw a great deal of attention to yourself, which allows you to go ahead and espouse any kind of values and bring attention to other stuff, which was the kind of the the whole idea in the first place. So you would be on the Dwight Howard train with the NBA as we don't need to be taken to court right now because that will take attention off of what needs to be done in America. That is the Dwight Howard um, logic with the National Basketball Association returning. I don't think they're the same thing. I, I, well, it is. It, I, you either you either believe it that it's going to be more helpful for LeBron James to be on the court, possibly espousing and bringing attention to problems in America, or you believe the entire exercise of having mostly African-American young men play basketball will be a distraction from trying to fix some very serious problems that are leading to the deaths of very young black men in America mostly. Those are two. I think, I think those are. It's the it's it's the same argument I would make that LeBron James already has the ability to speak anytime he wants and get all the attention he ever needs to draw attention to whatever cause he's talking about. And playing basketball games is a, almost for him. It's a separate thing. Every time he touches the ball. Uh, people watching aren't going, oh, Black Lives Matter. And that's not, it's not working that way. It's not going to work that way with Colin Kaepernick either. It's what they're doing off the court and off the field. LeBron James steps back on the court. He's not going to be a stiff, okay? He's not going to fail in basketball. For Colin Kaepernick to come back where the, the, uh, um, the ability to be on the field as a quarterback is a subjective, um, uh, uh, decision by coaches so you would bring in so many more pieces of drama why aren't they bringing them in if the quarterback who's ahead of him uh, has a bad uh, you know a couple of series oh. then they're going to scream well why aren't you bringing colin Kaepernick? you know you, you, I, we I'm don't want to make we certainly at a moment like this don't want to make america uncomfortable i mean i do understand where you're going with that well it's not I, about making america uncomfortable it's just about it it, it he has the ability right now, right at, at, at this moment, to say, you know what, I'd like to go on, I'll meet the press on Sunday. They would have him on for an hour and have him talk about 
everything, how it started, what your life has been like, how the, the hate mail, the, all, all, that, all that stuff. And it would be completely disconnected from him uh, trying to make the uh, Packers as a backup quarterback. It just doesn't mean anything. He is already, he is already a brand name forever. He, he doesn't have to prove himself on the football field anymore. He's proven himself kind of off the football field as far as I'm concerned. I think he's conducted himself fantastic these last three years. Uh, other people might have blown it. He hasn't blown it, and the times caught up to him. Think about that. He's a pioneer. He is the Rosa Parks of, of, of this moment. And right now, he's sort of an unsung hero. You don't hear him talking. He's keeping his mouth shut. And by the way, that's his right. He can choose to be that way. I would hope he comes forward, but not as somebody in training camp. That's no. Then why don't you address the, address the NBA issue? And do you think that – and I, I, I'm assigning this to Dwight Howard. There have been a lot of other people who have said the same. I think Kyrie Irving had the same situation, kind of had the same objections. We don't need to be out there playing basketball and providing a distraction to Americans when they need to concentrate wholly and fully, focusing completely on this issue of right now of African-Americans, mostly African-American males, being killed by police officers at a rate way higher than any other race. I think they've got a great point. I, I think they've got a great point. Maybe an entire year. Without sports, without the diversion, inadvertently, along with events that came along, including the virus, including the shootings, including maybe there was some purpose to it all, and we'll live without an NBA season. We've made it this far so far, and and we're okay. Um, and I think. If they say, you know what, we're going to give up our, our big money for a whole year, like a lot of people have had to give up less money, but their lives are destroyed. But you name an NBA player who can't go one year without that, that big money coming in, then I'll, I'll show you a guy who was really stupid with his money and we can't <laughs> help that. All right. Cause if you've been making several million or 10 million or 15 million a year for, and you can't suck it up for a year, I've no no pity for you. You're, you're being I, well, you're being a little simplistic in that. In and of that, it's not just these guys are handed a lot of money and you should be able to manage. These are people in a lot of it takes teams of people to manage the kind of money that we're talking about here. And there's a lot of obligations to taxes and to some corporations that they've made themselves. So I mean, and and people of of even sophisticated uh, financial backgrounds end up going broke as as professional athletes. I mean, I I understand your point, but it's this is I think it's than a, that though. This you either decide as a play you. Either either decide this is bigger than that or you don't uh i do not uh, for for one second agree with you that the this is a a difficult issue because the amount of money is so difficult and we have teams of people managing it i don't agree with no, that no but there but you but you know the but you know no. the statistics Brad you know the professional athletes despite their economic background like 60% of them go declare bankruptcy within like 
five years of retiring. Right, so, These are people, so one year ain't going to make it that much. More. We're not talking. We're not talking about people that are that are. And it's very difficult, even you know, for for middle class Americans to to manage their money. It's way more difficult than I think it was even fifty years ago. So I, as far as just saying these are you know these are a bunch of dumbasses that can't manage their money, so that's why they have to keep playing. I think that's a little simplistic. I understand what you're saying, but I, I the, I the argument were dumbasses. That was you. Well, that you were saying that you have no sympathy for anybody that doesn't have enough money to live on. So what, would you call that person intelligent who hasn't been able to have a lot of money coming I, in I and not a lot going out? Intelligent. Lots of very intelligent people have yeah. lots of money and blow it also. So it has. But the, bo- to but do the point with that. would be the point would be whether it would be more helpful to have the spotlight on these guys playing basketball and all of the eyeballs, all of the attention. All of the, the space on servers across the world and then bringing attention to the problem or would it be more helpful not to have those guys distracting? The argument against that, the one that's most compelling to me is we're, we're sort of looking for an inflection point that ain't there. You can't, you know, Johnny, Johnny Cash used to say until times get better, I'm the man in black. I love Johnny Cash, but motherfucker, well, how do we define better? You're going to wake up on Tuesday and it's like, well, shit, I think things are all right. I'm going to go back to wearing some white. No, that's not how it goes. And you can't go to an inflection point and go, we've been three months without a young black man in America not being killed. I think we've made progress. Let's start dribbling again. <laughs> that's that's my problem with this entire theory. That, that's That's the point. So, therefore, stay away. However... If you're going to get back into the game, if the NBA is going to go forward with these games with, with no fans and at the U.S. Open tennis is going to play with no fans and the NFL certainly seems to be the best prepared of all the leagues and they're lucky because of the calendar because right after the Super Bowl, the world came to an end this mm-hmm. year, right? They got their Super Bowl in and then just things fell apart. Uh, so they've had the, the most amount of time between the beginning of the, the, the real crunch time for the virus and the beginning of their, their next season compared to all these, these other leagues. And, uh, I, I just don't think that the, we need a distraction argument <laughs> is a, is a good enough one. But coming back around and, and, and maybe taking your side a little bit more, yeah, these are, viable businesses and just like restaurants and everything else they need to be open to be able to have a chance to uh continue on in a in a uh, a decent fashion i think the big loser here it's not going to be the nba because they are going to play games they're going to they're 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 figuring this out i think hockey's kind of doing the same thing and the nfl will, will come along and the individual sports like golf and tennis are going to be okay because there's little or no contact. They don't have to worry about that. But baseball, um, you know what? This could be it. I mean, baseball, they may be able to uh, close the record books, call it a day, and all the records stand, and nobody cares about baseball anymore. They're they're destroying themselves. Uh, They've got an intractable union and asshole owners. That's a great combination. No (laughs) one wants to give an inch. And again, I know it's about money and I know it's about power and I know it's about respect, but if the offer has been that they will pay the players on a prorated basis, if you had a $15 million contract and they only play uh, 70 games, so you only get paid eight or nine million instead of 15, 
for the average person out there who was a baseball fan, and I'm using was because it's past tense, because if baseball had a problem with people under 35, if baseball had a problem attracting kids, if baseball kept putting on their playoff games that would end and World Series games that wouldn't end until, you know, one in the morning Eastern. If it was a problem last year and the last 25 years, what is it now? The answer is nobody cares. We've gotten a few months by without baseball, a lot longer than uh, the the last baseball strike. I think the last baseball strike was 50 days or something. And you know what? People don't care. I, I just don't think they care. And what know. was the, but what was the, the, going back more than a century, baseball has been called the national pastime. And we don't need a pastime right now. We need a time. Well, first of all, football has been the national pastime it has. since That's about what... 1960. But we'll pretend that baseball <laughs> I don't has know. been the national pastime. We'll pretend that was that. the we'll nickname that national pastime was given, and it brought America yeah, by, a lot of by, great by deal baseball, of comfort. I'm sure it, it was by a great deal of comfort through a number of national crises. I don't recall the National Football League after 9/11 really bringing us back and unifying America. I don't recall any of that shit. So don't, before you start putting down baseball too much, it's got a much greater history at bring Americans together and to helping people out than football does. But right now, we don't need a pastime. We need a time. We don't need something to whittle away the hours because right now we do need to pay attention to what's going on, both the virus in the streets that can kill you and the streets being on fire. So, yes, I, I, I and the Major League Baseball owners and the players, I, it's, it's wonderful to talk about the owners and they're trying to do this and trying to – but the players are going to be taking and assuming – Every bit of the risk, and it does not matter if you're making $80 million a year if you're dead. Because as you pointed out, this is a virus that does not care how rich you are or how white you are or how upper class or which country club you belong to. You can still die very, very easily if you have a very strong right arm and you're 34 years old. So the, the, I am, yes, much more on the player side with this, but, yeah, I also do agree with you that as a, an institution, Major League Baseball is blowing it because everybody else is going to be able to get their shit together in some way, shape, or form, and they're not going to be able to, which is perfectly fine. And the people who are right-wingers can blame the union. And then I guess I don't. I, I guess the, uh, the 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 liberals can blame the very rich owners up in their ivory towers. I don't know. I don't know how that works. But you can just pour whatever worldview you want to on top of that one. But Major League Baseball is blowing it as they have done many times in the past for sure. Yeah, I think we're in uncharted territory here with with baseball because the last time there was a strike or the last time. Uh, everything shut down and they were able to get it back within about a year or so by pumping up the players with steroids. Correct, yeah. And hitting lots of home runs. How'd that work out? Well, they just they just had the special about Sosa and McGuire on ESPN, and I don't even think they mentioned steroids or PEDs until like the last commercial break or something. Well, yeah, somebody was telling me. I was listening to Bill Simmons talk about this. Yeah, and you know, Bill Simmons was the guy who came up with the idea. I don't know what fifteen years ago to do yeah, these documents. Thirty for thirty. Yeah, it was thirty his. for thirties, and of course he's he's long ago uh, moved Been on. Fired. From that, so, he was so fired. He talk about that, <laughs> and um, they do this two hour thing when was that on first time last week the week before yeah yeah, it's like last week like sunday night i think was when the most recent one was right about uh sammy sosa versus uh mark mcguire in their home run hitting contest home run derby the year after the 
the uh, the shutdown, and they did it on on steroids. And you're right. He said, they said that um, they didn't mention anything about steroids until the very last segment, and they devoted at most two minutes. They said even worse. They brought on Bob Costas, who you thought would have been the guy that would talk more honestly. And apparently, even Bob Costas took a dive. Oh wow! On, on this, drinking and, the St. Louis Kool Aid for his hometown Cardinals. How, yes, yes, isn't that sad? It is um, sad. Yeah, and um, this time around, with the bad taste in everyone's mouth collectively that we will have over baseball because they just couldn't come to some kind of agreement to uh, play the games in an empty stadium and take a pay cut like the rest of America, except times a thousand still. <laughs> because, you know, that old statistic about the CEOs make 540 times more than the average uh, uh, worker at their company. Well, with baseball players, it's it's way higher than that, right? They probably make a thousand to, to 1,500 times the average salary of a uh, a real person. And even the, what's the major league minimum right now? 800,000. It's, yeah, it's, least, it's yeah. incredible. Yeah. So you can uh, spend all day saying, well, the baseball union is the most successful union in the history of the American labor movement. Well, okay. But if you destroy yourself in, in your intransigence and in your, your, your power move at the most perilous moment of the sport, uh, what have you done? You have destroyed yourself to save yourself. It doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense. And um, I mean, baseball—they've just painted themselves in a corner. My point is, though, that compared to the last time we went through this, which is what almost 25 years ago, is that well, right? The, the big strike was 1994, and that's when the World Series was was wiped out, and a lot of people were very upset. Right. Okay. So yeah, it's more a little bit more than 25 years ago. There wasn't esports. There, there weren't all these other things. Well, the internet, <laughs> or the internet. That's right. There were none of those things that, if if, uh, if if you go away, how am I going to miss you? If I didn't care that much in the first place, I mean, that's what they've done to themselves. And the other sports do realize and are acting on the fact that no one is going to be annoyed with them for not playing games in March, April, May, and June, and and maybe into July. But when they come back, they will be welcomed with open arms. They really, really will. I I really think, and and, uh, you know, aside from the the political discussion we had about the NBA coming back, but people will want to watch the games. They will. But if you don't play any games, and if baseball doesn't play games, it's not going to be because – uh, Black Lives Matter. Okay, <laughs> it's not because baseball players are saying we want America to focus on the uh, racial problems that have brewed on American soil for 400 years, and we really care. So we're not going to play. There's no pretense of that, right? No, the, not really. We're, no, we're, we're not even that. talking about the same thing. It's just talking about uh, what what do the players want? They want 100 percent of the pay. <laughs> for, for playing half the games or some kind of crazy shit like that. I, I think it's. I, I, I mean, I think that they've been. They feel like they've been back down and back down and back down, and there's not really a, a plan as far as protecting their health. 
And that's why they feel like all of the risk is on them. The NBA has been pressed on this issue and they have to their, you know, to their credit come up with some, this is what we're going to do for the health of people. Some of you guys who go to Orlando, you're not only, you're not going to be there even that long. So you won't even face a lot of exposure. So they, the NBA has some sort of, the, the old ass Major League Baseball owners, are, ah, get out there and fucking play, you pussies. That's, well, that's essentially what well, it is. First of all, baseball is not nearly the contact sport that basketball is. So they don't have a leg to stand on in baseball. It's, you're, you're, you're not, uh, you're not up close and personal with, with people 99% of the time in baseball. You're just not. And that's why I love Pete Rose, because he would get out there and mix it up with anybody anytime and expose himself to whatever viruses were available. When, when, when he gave that, that virus to Ray Fossey at home plate. He did. Him and Buddy Harrelson beating the shit out of each other and giving viruses to each other. That's right. Uh, the Trump administration has sued to try to delay the publication of John Bolton's book. The Trump administration sued the former national security advisor Tuesday to try to delay publication of his highly anticipated memoir about his time in the White House, saying the book contained classified information that would compromise national security if it became public. The book is called The Room Where It Happened is set for release on June the 23rd. Administration officials have repeatedly warned Mr. Bolton against it. Well, this is more of the same pattern, isn't it, uh, Brad? Please. It's not even. (laughs) Come on. Of course, it's the same thing. Uh, remember, every conversation Donald Trump has with anyone ever is classified. Just remember that. Start from there. And, of course, you, you know he's lying. You know they're bluffing. You know it's about delay. You know that John Bolton is smart enough to have been able to uh, write a book and then have it vetted by the appropriate agencies and um, just because Donald, you know, what's the worst thing you can do about Donald Trump? It's not lie about him. It's tell the truth about That's it. Right. That's right. <laughs> this is just another book like Bob Woodward's book and, 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 and 10 other ones that were just essentially 99.9% absolutely 100% verifiably true. And Donald Trump thinks he can stop this one from being printed, but that's okay because Bolton is uh, going around starting to talk about it now. He's given his first interview already. We'll see it Sunday night, and I'm sure there will be more after that. And this is not a good look. Just because he can uh, turn John Bolton into a a, uh, booing line, you know, pretty soon it'll be John Bolton, lock him up. That'll be one of the chants in Tulsa this week, right? Lock him Mm -hmm. up. He's a lie. Good luck with that. Mm -hmm. the, The act is old. Okay, it, it you know, it's like watching Bob Hope tell those jokes when he was ninety three. Okay, they weren't that funny when he was forty five, but he had a great delivery. But now it's just the same shit over and over and over again. And the book from his niece uh, yeah. a- apparently is uh, immediately an instant hit on Amazon. And mm-hmm. it isn't even coming out for another month. Is he going to dare try to stop the the uh, publication of? Well, it's funny you should ask. Own family. It's funny you should ask. The Daily Beast is saying that according to two people familiar with the situation, Donald Trump has told people close to him he's getting his lawyers to look into the Mary Trump matter. Yeah. <laughs> well, Donald Trump is saying I'm getting my lawyers to look into the matter is like Karen calling the cops on black people barbecuing, isn't it? That basically is his everyday life. I'm going to call it. See, somebody put a a, a mock 
mock-up of a new Aunt Jemima box on my Facebook yes, page. You called her Aunt Karen. Aunt Listen, Karen. You, can't pick the, you can't pick the name Karen. That's as bad <laughs> as Aunt Jemima. Stop it. <laughs> No, I would buy all of the Aunt Karen syrup on the shelves right now. Uh, President Trump has told people close to him he's getting his lawyers to look into the Mary Trump matter to explore what could be done in the way of legal retribution or at least a threat, likely in the form of a cease and desist letter, which, again, if it's too hard for you to wipe your ass with it, just go ahead and put it in the trash can. <laughs> That's what he wants. And there are some people now that are quoted in this article as saying, uh, of the two books, the one that would bother him more would be the Mary Trump book. Mm-hmm. Do you believe that? All right. That's tough to, to decide which is more destructive. Well, clearly the, the John Bolton book is going to reveal things about, uh, Donald Trump, the president and Donald Trump, the sleaze and Donald Trump, the liar and Donald Trump, the intimidator. But the book by a, a close member of his family can include all of those kinds of things, but go way, way further and document things that he did to his family members that again, this is going to cut through beyond your political ideology because I mean I, I know this is a, a, a shocking statement but even conservatives don't think that you should screw over members of your family for no other reason than you're the big dick of the family um, many of them actually think that's not a good look that's not a good way to to act and when you're trying to create the image that Trump has been creating all these years, this infallible genius, this this wonderful human being, and even if I'm an asshole, you're my asshole. Well, I don't want you to be my asshole that much, okay? Mm-hmm. You don't have to be that asshole. And uh, th- that's what uh, – so it's probably true. The, the, the Mary Trump book probably would bug him. More, but he has no more right to stop that one than he does to stop Bolton's book. And I think you're going to see both of them come out. And if not, WikiLeaks, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the headline in, in the New York Times says, "Is this a second wave?" Pence and Fauci say no for different reasons. I think Fauci's saying it's no because this is still the first wave, right, of the of the COVID nineteen okay, pandemic. Wait a what Th- this idea that there's some kind of second wave right now? is so stupid. Yeah. It's so ignorant. It is such a gaslight attempt to to underplay what is likely to happen. And what's likely to happen is a repeat of what happened in 1918 when there was a a a big opening round of of virus that that went around the world in the spring of that year, or as Donald Trump likes to call it, 1917. <laughs> uh, he still does that. And um, it seemed to recede in the summer and then came back with a vengeance way more virulent in the fall and in the winter. And that's really the basis for what's been said about a second wave. The idea that um, 
four weeks ago because the numbers started to go down in New York City because uh, Andrew Cuomo and the mayor had people staying in for weeks and weeks and weeks at a time. Therefore, the New York numbers went down. And now numbers are going up all over in the rest of the country, Arizona, North Carolina, Florida, uh, Texas, that this is the second wave equivalent to what happened in 1918 in October, November, December, January. is It's just stupid. It, I, I can't even believe I'm talking this way because it just makes no sense. It And... Because what have we been saying? What was said three months ago that it was likely to, to, to keep going up, 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 up into the summer and maybe recede a little bit and then come back in the fall? That was going to be the second wave. What changed that? The answer is the election. That Trump and Pence are such liars that they're trying to convince people that well, hey, if we're in the second wave right now, it's about to recede again, and you can vote for Donald Trump in November, which may as well be in the year 2080. It's so far away. Think about that. November from June, July, August, September, that, that's still five months, six months away. Go backwards five, six months. We never heard of the coronavirus five, six months ago. What the fuck does anyone have any business thinking that right now, even if it was true that this was some kind of second wave, that there wouldn't be a third wave or a fourth wave by the fall. It's so stupid. It's, it's, it's false labeling. It's lying. It's Trump. And it's Pence. Pence ought to be hung by his heels mm-hmm. for the Vice crap President. that he's been saying the last few days. Well, I think he has been hung by his heels by some gentlemen in some D.C. hotels with a safe word. But Vice President Pence <laughs> argued in a Wall Street Journal opinion piece that concern over a second wave of the coronavirus was overblown and that we are winning the fight against this invisible enemy. Brad, the uh, previous invisible enemy, of course, was the gay agenda. Mr. Pence's argument appears to have oversimplified a complicated picture, emphasizing regions where the pandemic is waning while explaining away surging infection rates in other states. His rosy picture conformed with President Trump's desire to reopen the economy and get Americans back to work, but it ignored bad news, particularly in the Sun Belt in at least 20 states. New cases are increasing, some at alarming rates. Some states, including Texas, South Carolina, and Arizona, are seeing their largest surges yet, according to the data compiled by the New York Times fake news. Well, it's not just that. We need to drill down on our demographics here. Suddenly, who would have guessed that three weeks after Memorial Day weekend, that not only are the number of infections and the number of hospitalizations, which is the real tell in these states, gone through the roof, but a huge proportion of the new cases are people between 20 and 35. Hmm, how could that be? Hmm, who are the people that were lined up at bars all over the... Who are the people that were uh, out in those those mass pool parties? Hmm, who are the people <laughs> crowding the beaches uh, on Memorial Day weekend? Was it people that are 70 and 75? No. Were they wheeling them out of the uh, were. rest homes to the yes. beach and to the bars? No. So this is exactly, exactly what was predicted. Now, that takes us all the way back to Tulsa, because 
what do you think is going to be the demographic mix of people who go to the Trump rally? It isn't going to be no. old people. Old right. people, as you know, they wear the mask. They don't go out as much. They just don't. And I think that older people have enough sense. I don't care whether they're Donald Trump supporters. They have more sense as to not try to show up at something like this. Plus, it's going to be, you know, they got people camping out there already. The idiots are camping out, right? Right. Because this is like the Beatles are coming back. Um, (laughs) The racist Beatles. The racist Beatles. The black Beatles, right? Google that one, people. Yeah, that's a good one. You think that's still up? I don't think it is. Well, you know, Howard Stern's coming under a lot of uh, stuff as well for a 1993 New Year's Eve special. Yeah, he owned it, though. Yeah, it's He's not running away from it. In his op-ed piece, Mr. Pence said that expanded testing revealed that fewer than 6% of Americans tested every week have the virus. On a call with governors on Monday, the vice president encouraged them to adopt the administration's explanation that a rise in the testing was behind the new outbreaks, a claim that Dr. Fauci rebutted on Tuesday when he said that the higher percentage of positive tests cannot be explained by increased testing. Fauci continues to piss off everybody around him. We said two months ago that the Trump strategy is going to be to try to lie his way out of this. And he's trying. I give him credit. He's trying. It's not working. It's, it's just not working. And, uh, they, they can, they can play this game all day long of saying that the numbers are spiking because we're testing more people. If, if that's the, the real problem that we're testing more people, therefore there are more cases then I say this is how we cure cancer. This is how we cure heart disease. We stop sending people to the doctor for these particular maladies, and therefore there won't be as many cases, right? That's Isn't right. That how you cure everything? Well, that's what he said. I mean, that's essentially what he said is, yeah, it's bad. Testing is bad because it makes the numbers go up. That was what that was Donald Trump's know, exact but, argument. You know, when he first said that, and the the, the most egregious opening egregious opening example of that was when he was standing there at the CDC remember that remember I do. march <laughs> and he was preventing that cruise ship from right um, de, de, uh, disembarking its, yeah. its its people because that would quote make the numbers look worse for me mm-hmm. okay well everything springs from that right Everything. There's, there's, there's nothing else after that. Brad and Brit.com.